Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. How are you guys doing? It's your favorite carpenter slash writer producer, Leon Main. Hope you guys are good. Welcome back to Audio August. Today's a very, very special episode of The Circle. It took place during a lot of healing and the world trying to piece together their own feelings and thoughts after the George Floyd murder and everything that transpired after it. And so you'll hear a lot of passion in this episode, especially from our guest, Emil Amin, super actor, producer and director. But it's part of what makes the, the podcast in general so special that we can have these impassioned conversations while being able to give you guys a bit of respite and entertainment or edutainment as we call it now. So I know new season, we've been getting loads of updates and DMs asking when the new season's coming out. And I'm going to give you guys that date next week. Make sure you guys are following us on Instagram on Step Inside the Circle. But for now, please enjoy. Uh, this is Audio August. The Circle meets Emil Amin. So just get into it. So how are you? Me on this. No, yes. It's, I mean, it's a must. I think, the, I think the way in which I've accessed information about black talent through the years that I've not lived in the UK or not had my ears to the ground of people that haven't broken past has been through this platform. So I think that it's an amazing thing. And I'm, I'm very proud of you all the oh, years. Oh, bless you. And very proud of this platform. And I'm very proud of us as um, black British people, you know, carving our way. Uh, and yeah, I, 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 we're going to text a lot off this to try and figure out what this conversation could be today. Especially yes. the back of everything that's going on and mm. You know, I feel it so viscerally like everybody else. Um, and and also, because I live in the States and live in Los Angeles, you know, I'm surrounded by what's going on quite immediately right now. You know what I mean? Mm. I live in a particular area, which I'm happy it's happened to this area where, you know, they felt the presence of, of the rage of black people, the rage of, um, of people, you know, whether it be the looters or not, or, or the peaceful protesters or not. But I live in an area that now they're feeling the presence of like, oh shit, there's tanks rolling up and down our street and we've got to board up our, our shops. And your shops. 20 or 30 police uh, motorcyclists driving down the street. And, you know, and, you know, so that's, that's the climate that we're in, I'm in. And so it's interesting to have this conversation about career. And what I thought would be interesting if we could try and do is if, as we're having this conversation about career and all the rest of it, put it within the context of race because I think one of the things that's missing in the conversation in terms of okay there is the, the the clean racism that goes on but also the nuanced stuff that has happened throughout everybody's careers and lives just trying to make a way out of it so you know yeah I mean literally you, you took my intro boy <laughs> you took my intro but I mean that's basically what it was as, as we um discussed like it's hard to you know use I kind of wanted to use this as a moment to kind of take the weight off our necks because as black folks, especially not even as, I won't say especially creatives because I think everyone in their fields is, feels this stuff, but creatives, I'm going to say especially because there's a frustration of trying to get our voices heard and having to go through so many hoops and blockages and gatekeepers that it becomes a frustration. So even when lockdown came about, trying to even make sense of, how, who am I as a creative in this space when I'm not in control of the next project because everything's shut down? Do you feel as a creative like you're pressured now to speak up? Because a lot of celebrities are either getting in trouble for not saying enough, getting in trouble for saying the too much and the wrong thing, or we've got the space that people like John Boyega is taking. And like today, his speech at Hyde Park was like heartbreaking to the point. Do you feel 
how do you feel? What do you feel like you want to do, like as a black man, as a black creative, as someone who's in the public eye as well? I think first of all, John Boy, John's um, speech was the first one was poignant, powerful to the point. Yeah. No bullshit, no cleaning it up, like so visceral. And mm. you know, I think he spoke to the world and with his platform, and especially the kind of platform he has, being someone that was worked for like Disney in that respect to mm. do that is was beautiful and he should be like uh supported continuously mm. in terms of what the quote end quote consequences of doing something that might be um i caught a bit of his his high part speech again and again powerful and he's a young man and he feels no different to how anybody that grew up in it's basically the world, but definitely in the Western world. He feels no different. Yeah, for sure. There's one thing I'll say, though, that I think is really important, and I've been observing everybody's interpretation of it, what Ashley said was so important as well, because I don't think any black person needs to be told by anybody, mm -hmm. even black people, how to deal with this fucking shit. Because mm -hmm. it's personal to you, right? Mm -hmm. You may not have the platform of, of an actor or a celebrity and all the rest of it. You may not have that. But if you want to stay at home, and cry if you want to have a drink, if you want to focus on love, whatever that is, that's yours. Because the nuances of the prejudice that you deal with is so daily and so entrenched in your experience. And here's something for a lot of white people to understand. Yes, this is a particular event. And yes, this has been happening so many times, but it's like having blinkers on. Say for yourself, artist, and you're like, let me focus and let me, or sort of personally, like, let me focus and let me focus on progression and let me not, let me maneuver through the, the institution and all the rest of it. Something like this wakes you up to, the, to, to, to your daily abuse, your pain sure. you feel inside or, or, of the different nuances you de deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And I feel like this particular time for outcry should be one agenda, one war, which is our mm. power and however we feel it. If, if this is the moment and all things are going to, this is the moment of shift and how the world's going to shift, what do you want? What, be the, what do you want to, what do you want to see for a world as a black man and then bring it back to the work that you do? How does that change? Um, I mean, that's, it's, that's a, that's a, that's a I know it's a huge. It's a long question. And the reason it's a long question is because I'm not divorced from it anyway. It's not like it's a new thought or a new kind of, of course. About what I want to do. It's literally what I've done. It's the reason I left the, uh, it's the reason why every, if we're going to contextualize within, within the prism of being an actor and entertainer, mm. that, that box, it's the reason why everybody left and fucked off to America to try and basically stop being black in an institutionalized racist country that never mm. wants our collective story and has a moment where they single us out within the narrative, but not a collective story. Mm. Uh, and the only collective thing that we, that we, that we have and stories that we've had um, from a film perspective, are that one narrative of that, you know, the, the, the hard, you know, the kid odds and stuff like that, right? Yeah. And, and that's a beautiful thing. But the problem with it, if it's only that, when someone is actually killed, whether it be in America or, 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 or young black boys or black men are targeted and they're screaming out for their injustice, what you see from a media perspective is just that. You just, that's what you see. So you're like, oh, mm. like, there's some good ones out there. You know, they're the Anthony Joshua's and all of that. But I guess, yeah, I guess they're, so you don't feel it on an emotional level. You're not, yeah. you know, if, if a young white boy or young white girl was screaming for their life because of the police right now, you, 
because you've humanized them from a media perspective, like right now we're using the media, because you've humanized them from a media perspective and you normalize then their, what is normal about them or what is everyday or what is human about them, people feel connected to it. But I will yeah. say the young people, uh, probably much like in the 70s and 60s, but the young people, I feel like they feel a new sense of um, um, indignation about inheriting the racism that that unfortunately belongs to them. If you're white, I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do we do? How do we deal with this outpouring? Because I think that again, I don't know if you've had maybe white colleagues and people that you've worked with reaching out to you to check in. Check in. How are you responding to white people that want to help? Um, potentially i can only answer for me but i think there's a collide again there's a kaleidoscope of things you need someone out there marching and screaming and 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 being impassioned and being raw and emotional you need someone in the institution that are are raising awareness this platform needs support institutionally needs support mm. i think as well you know there needs to be uh to the disadvantages that one has suffered for this multitude of generations there needs to be a tip of the scale, institutional sure. skipped tips of the scale and investments. And the problem is people don't feel like it's their issue or their problem until it's met on the, the, their front doorstep with this, kind oh. of, with this kind of aggression. But for me, it's about as well, um, as an artist, the way I'm dealing with it is how I've always dealt with it. Choices, the choices of what to be a part of. You know, I have famously left things because I didn't believe in certain choices. They were made yes. from a narrative perspective when it comes to black people, do you get what I'm saying? I didn't, I also didn't, I didn't like the nuances. And so those, those the choices are important, your personal choices. Um, and then what you do with your creative power. And that's what mm. we're talking about with, with, with what John did and why it's so magnanimous and a brilliant thing with his creative power, his position, and with him basically going past go, you mm. know, in terms of like safety, you know, a perceived safety or financial safety or whatever it is, it's laying it on the line. So I think that's, I think that's really, I think that's really important. I was going to ask you, I think two parts. First of all, you walked off a project at a time when another person wouldn't have been so confident. What yeah. was it that gave you the, the balls, as it were, to be like, this is not for me. Forget mm. what everyone else thinks. I'm going to take control of this narrative and I'm going to do what's right for me, even though it could potentially have harmed you. It's just who I am. Yeah. It's Where did that come from, sir? It's, the, it's who I am. It's the stock that I come from. It's it's the family that I I, I belong to. It's yeah. the the people, you know. The if you want to marginalize the black people throughout my career that have come to me and said how, you know, inspiring or proud they feel, how they feel a part of my life, you mm. know, my particular progress. It's those things that made me go. Do you know what? Even if the world doesn't see it, I'm I'm I am I'm standing for. Um, me and them but me first yeah. yeah so it just is what it is you know when it comes to that does does any of that affect you you're saying making choices of being control of the roles that you take or the projects that you get involved in do you feel any kind of pressure not to take historical american roles like that conversation like you know cynthia taking harriet and yeah. i mean you were in the butler and that's a, a historical american african-american character that you played the, the younger version but yeah. Is that a thought that goes through your mind? No. Okay. <laughs> fine. It's fine, no. and it's fair. It's fair. It, it, it isn't. I, I, have, I, I would, um, as we're talking about two 
very different things. One being an artist and, sure. an and being able to transform oneself into the actual part and honoring the particular history of, of um, a people and doing the research. Um, but no, I mean, and, and ultimately with that, with that same feeling I have as an actor to go and portray anything I want, mm. um, I can't begrudge anybody for playing something that I want them to mm. play. I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm from Jamaica. I'm, I'm black British Caribbean. And so I don't want anybody, bullshit. You got to get over yeah. yourself. Let's take it back, back, back. A melamine actor, producer, writer, director. Oh, how do you introduce yourself? I don't know, man. Whatever you want, you know. I think most people know my acting career more stronger, and I'm yet to be sure. in my feature film, which those it's... things are on the horizon. So, you know, whatever, whatever anybody else wants to contextualize me, I know. I'm, a melamine is fine. What you're? I don't even know where you're from. Where are you from? You West? I'm just a Londoner. No, don't try it. No, what, what ends? Honestly, like I've lived all in. I've, I've, I've lived all over London, so I'm not going to claim anything. I'm just a Londoner. Like I literally was. I, I grew up in Hackney for a bit, and then North Londoner, North London. Spent a lot of time in South London. In fact, when I was in the bill, everybody just thought I was from South London. Yeah, you know, yeah. A lot of the talent comes from there, so you know. But uh, I'm just a Londoner, man. So whatever. To the now, world. I'm my area still, you know. Well, you are. You are. You're a Jamaican? Yeah. Yes. You're a Jamaican, right? I'm actually Vincentian Jamaican. My dad's Vincentian. I'm Jamaican. Oh, so, okay. So I have the, the clash of the titans running through my veins, yeah. Yeah, I know, because I met your father. Your father's righteous. And your brother, Mikel, also gave, with the Game Changers movement. So that's what oh, I was kind of like asking. World Changers, sorry, my bad. Um, world Changers. It's um, growing up in that environment. Mm. Would have been. This is why today you can be confident, and then say you can say you know who you are, and then make informed decisions about what roles you're going to take and what projects you're going to be involved in. Uh, yeah, it's it's so growing up in the environment I grew up in is uh, powerful for a lot of reasons, mm. and uh, it's powerful for a lot of reasons. But when you're when you, when you're an artist and you're an actor, and I felt Ashley when he was talking about like the root, the shit one has to deal with. When you're an mm. artist, you're acting, you're maneuvering your way through. And we also grew up in a particular different era, pre, you know, kid it's pre the internet, really. There was kind of, yeah, yeah. not really yeah. like, not pre the internet, but pre social media being what it is. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. uh, and we grew up in an era where um, you're dealing with a different beast. So I feel like every generation needs to be celebrated for their contribution to what is going on. You're definitely celebrated. You're considered an OG, even though you're still a baby. You're considered an OG because it feels like you've done so much and you've crossed so much breadth. You're a child actor, right? Yeah, you know, so I, I come from, there's like actors like um, Akemji and Petra Latang and Oti Fagbenle. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Abura. There's a whole era of actors yeah. that pre-acting being, kind of pre-bullet boy kidulted and actor becoming sexy to a working class black audience, mm. you know. It was pre that and so we come from that particular era with those particular nuances of struggles marcel mccullough like there's so many people and you know people i've witnessed and watched people suffer their own version of like i'm sorry to go on about race today but it, it can't be avoided because there's just no greater conversation on the planet right now everything else is kind of like yeah. so 
you've been doing it for so long. What was the what was the moment in the UK? Because obviously you were in such like a, you, you, I've seen interviews and I've spoken to you many times, and you've like you were on a high. You were a successful working actor in the UK, but yet already your mind was like, nah, this is not the place. The well, racism probably being eleven years old and saying to my mum like, um, how am I going to make it as an actor when yeah. I live it here and I speak in this accent? Why did you doubt the accent? Because I was 11 years old. It was the 90s. And there was yeah. no one on TV. That, that sounded like you. Mm. Nah, because everybody in America was our heroes. Mm -mm. You know, there was no, you know, and you weren't necessarily privy to, you know, this is the Erwin David here with Lenny James and all these guys have been beginning to make their way. This is, this is pre-Idris Elba having to go to America and then be introduced to us as an American, having been on family affairs and then getting no, you know, no looking, you know? And so... Yeah, I always knew I was coming to America. It was never not a case. I mean, uh, the boys of Kidulted would always, you know, they always knew when we was doing Kidulted, I was like, yeah, I'm going to America. Man. But even having that confidence to think that you could even make it in America, because if you didn't have anyone to be your North role Star yeah, or role yeah. model, how, wh who, how, what was your, your audacity to think, I'm going to go to America and I'm actually going to get a job? How did you know that that was the right move? And then when you got there, how did you convince them that actually, yeah, take a chance on me? I mean... It's a couple of things. I think, one, the imagination. Yeah. And I think an important part of this whole thing that we experience right now is the ability to imagine another way, imagine another future. So for me, I've always had a, a, a huge imagination. I've just always been an ambitious person. I've always, I, from very young, six years old, I went to stage school as well. So mm -hmm. I was working like in, in the West End plays like Oliver and Jolson. You know, I worked with Michael Jackson when I was 11 years old. I'm just take, I'm just trying to take myself through my life and just knowing that it's got to be America because the people I'm looking at as a kid is like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, older Denzel Washington, and then when you get a little bit older, you're like, oh, Cuba Gooding's just won an Oscar and all of that. So if your specific dream is to be an actor in the 90s, but what's amazing about this time now is that you don't have to leave home, yeah, to go and 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 see your life shift, and they're such powerful. Um, young black voices, you know, that are worldwide now on the world stage and, and, and a varied version of it. And that's so powerful. And what America has done so successfully is they've galvanized their, their, their um, individual success and brought about a collective success. And they also look at movies and cinema like uh, they kind of do it like political races. And we, as in go and vote, like by, by going and buying a ticket for Blue Story and making it one of the biggest urban films, I think that the biggest urban that creates of, then that creates different uh, opportunities for different people to do different things. And I know that, um, I know that I, I, I've, I've been in those boardrooms and I've heard the people that were saying nah to Blue Story and all of that. And I've been in yeah. the boardroom, people that are saying, well, we don't think the black audience this, and we don't think the black mm. audience, we don't, and not knowing that, you know, people just crave original dope shit. Did you make, before you left the UK, or did you make whilst you were here, then go and come back? Which way, you know when you made, because you've got a mean dream entertainment? Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you already made a decision to make, take control of the narrative and tell your stories. First, I came to America and got Harry's Law. If, a little bit on the story of that, I literally came here and like within two weeks, you know, of hammering away at auditions, that became my opportunity. So I did that. And that year I had, I came back to London and wanted to do a short film, mm. you know?
Um, and that short film was Drink Drugs and KFC. And um, Drink Drugs and KFC was just a, always a film that I wanted to do. It was a story that I wanted to tell about my personal upbringing because even though I was in kidulthood, my, my upbringing was a bit different, you know, less of um, the violent stuff. And it was more like, you know, we go to clubs, we check gel, we, we, mm. we blurt, we, like those kind of things. And it's I a different would, narrative. Yeah, and just but just stuff that like if you watch Superbad and you enjoy it, you'll watch Drink Drugs and KFC and enjoy it because it's just like certain things are are universal, you know. So that's so, that that's my mission as as an artist, as a writer, director, to create those stories and 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 profile like different people and say yes to a lot of people's dreams as well as my own, which is making stuff for us all to digest and normalizing it. And it's just becoming kind of every day. This is a dope film, so we're going to support it. So when you, um, when, at the climate that you made Drinks, Drugs and KFC, come from America, obviously seen the success of America and how things work. When you came back to the UK, did you feel that there was potential or was, were, did you still feel like there, there's too much resistance, I still need to be in America, it's not going to happen here just yet? Every time that there was a project that um, I was potentially going to be in, I remember when I was in the, but like, I was, you know, auditioning for um, Misfits at the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, The Butler, to me, was a greater opportunity. So that's mm. what it's been continuously. It's like every time there's a project, there is a greater, there's a more well-rounded, fleshed-out character and opportunity. You know, whether it be The Maze Runner. I know there was another British project, but it's like, well, I'm going to go with The Maze Runner because The Maze Runner feels stronger. And, you know, Idris Elbaziadi was the first time I kind of worked in, in 10 years. Like, I, yeah, yeah. Was in two thousand and eight or something like that, and that was amazing to come home. Uh, I, I come home often. I'm there and I'm in London in the summers, and I'm in London Christmas time. Okay. To come home and work, mm. you know, be around it. And even with Michaela Sh Cole's show, I made the story. It's amazing to come home and work and be around, you know, us and our, the, the nuances of what it is to be like yeah. a London British or Black Londoner, you know. And even telling the story of Yadi, um, your heritage, and I know you went deep into your character and yeah. it, you, you got a chance to go back home as it were and yeah. then work with like um Idris and like so what was it like directly yeah. um I loved doing Yadi I loved working with Idris our 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 meeting uh each other I mean we met each other in 2000 when when Kidoto came out we met each other but our meeting was like you know kind of you know a happy accident we both mm. ended up playing from London to Los Angeles, and then we 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 ended up sitting not far apart from each other, and so we mm. just asked someone to get up, and we sat down, we spoke, and we spoke about this film that he's got and Yardi, and and then for me it was just a really a chance to celebrate a culture that can be lost, and we'll, you know things move on, but just to 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 really give um, a round of applause to that particular time and era of like black people in London and the music yeah. and culture and you know Jamaican heritage and Jamaican culture and Jamaica's contribution to the UK you know uh, from a multitude of levels so so I loved it man it was and I yeah I went I went I went back to Jamaica and I lived there for about three months just getting into the space with my auntie Hazel and we just I just got into the space of just soaking up in all the culture mm. but I just lived it I literally lived there. I told my agents, look, man, nothing else. I'm going to go and do this. The movie wasn't even fully signed off on yet. And it was like, yeah, I'm going to go and just go and just hang out and be around the culture. So you, you still stay connected to your original, like, your UK people. Because it seems like there's a movement 
there's a movement of creative talent that's building stuff and building blocks. What is there? Are there plans to create some sort of British Hollywood? I don't know what you call it, British Black Hollywood. I have no idea what the name would be. I think it's being created um, organically, even if it, you know, mm. there's just so many people doing well at home, you know, and, 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 and across the world and on the world stage. So I think it's been created organically. I think what would be nice for everybody is to be in a collective story together. Yeah. Know? And I'm personally working on closing that out soon. So we're, we're all being a collective story together, a movie we're in it together. And it's like, you know, there's just, I sometimes I joke with my producers who are white and I'm like, um, one's white, one's black. And I was like, I said to my producer, I said, mate, it must just feel good to be white sometimes, man. You're not around each other all the time. The nuances of the cultures must be like, it just must feel good. It's like, it's like me going home and being around Londoners. And I'm like, man, this fucking feels good, man. It's, yeah, yeah. It's good, because like, you lot get the nuances of yeah. things. It feels good, you know? So I jumped all over the place of your interview. No, it's fine, actually, because it's like, I know people are going to want to ask questions. I kind of like want to touch on things and not take it from everybody else. It's good. The conversation is free-flowing. It's wherever it goes, it's wherever it goes. When you're here, you came back here, bypassed mums, to do Michaela Cole's I May Destroy You. Right. What was it about that project that made you want to come back home to film that and then go back home? <laughs> All right. So I think Michaela's fucking dope. Yeah, sure. And when, when you see, I mean, this is not even a plug because it's her show. The show will be one of the first times that I've seen. And listen, before I, I rate Top Boy, especially the last season they did fucking rate it. Mm -hmm. It, it had a lot more dimensions to it than definitely you know it was just it was multi-dimensional but Michaela's show I May Destroy You will show different versions of the life of a millennial Londoner mm -hmm. just happened to be black mm. it's a secondary thought it's not like oh these are black people even me halfway through I was like oh shit there's loads of black people in this isn't it it's just yeah, black yeah yeah you know, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Because so, the, the, the themes are universal, which our themes about who we are as people in life are universal to a degree. Mm. The things that are universal are universal. And so I wanted to do the show because I, I, I haven't even spoken in my accent since, since Silent Witness. Yeah. Day with me. Wow. Uh, Malachi. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya, we all, we all did that one episode back in the day in 2008. So that's the last time I spoke English. That and the plays I did with like Jimmy Akinbola and all them guys, Kwame Kweyamah's play and Bola Agbaje's play, Roy Williams. Oh, Roy Williams, yeah, yeah. As an actor, when you are playing someone that's not yourself for so long, how do you... I know obviously you speak at home, obviously at home you must speak English, like with the exact... But how do you not lose yourself? Okay, so with, with, as it pertains to Yardi specifically and another film I did called The Price, those yeah. are the roles that I felt most um, shifted by. I think certain roles or parts that you do change you because they may give an education into something you didn't previously mm. know. Or, again, with what's going on, it may unearth shit in you yes. that's compartmentalised. And that's what it means to be an actor that stares in the face of these parts because you're, you're in the process of, like, being honest about who this character is. Yeah. Honest about who that character is and not subconsciously or accidentally ask yourself the same question. 
And so from that point of view, the two roles that were really challenging for me in terms of coming out of, Yardi was probably the most challenging. And I enjoyed being that kind of, I went to stage school. I, I you know, I learned, I've been doing interviews and stuff since I was a kid. So you, you learn a certain amount of monitoring yourself and all the rest of it. And Yardi had, you know, it really freed me up to just not yeah. give a fuck. And I yeah. just enjoyed it. I just really enjoyed it. I was like, oh man, this is amazing. Fuck you. you. Yeah, fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so that, that, <laughs> that I love, I love that. But, um, and then with Daraju, it was more of a guy who had a lot of, you know, Daraju, the price, sorry, that's the new title of the movie. It was more, of, it was about a Nigerian American guy who was working on Wall Street and he hated his Nigerian culture. He thought so. that his Nigerian culture was backwards and mm. he had a desire to be in a relationship with this woman, this white woman, but for the wrong reasons. The reason sure. that if he's with her, it gives him a sense of self-esteem. A, a guy, you know, a guy that was dealing with self-hate and that was, that was hard. And um, so back to um, your character, I made a story. Tell us a little bit about your character. I've seen the first four episodes. It's, it's wow. You access, huh? What did you feel about it? I don't want to spoil it. I feel, okay. I feel like it's the first time, as you said, that we're going to see British black people existing and it's dealing with stuff in a very honest, raw way. There are parts that are just like mind blown. Wow. Um, I think it's going to be very, um, it's going to be a conversation starter instigator and there are going to be a lot of challenges with some of the topics and the scenes that we as black folks we're so not used to having a, a, a variance on what we on what we see and what we consume especially british black folks that some of it's going to be challenging to the audience and some audience members are not going to like it in regards to some of the scenes and the topics that are covered and others i think it's going to be quite freeing because it's the first time we're getting to see our lives on screen in this way and having such a beautiful black cast. And it's not just beautiful as in the aesthetics, it's just a beautiful, well-talented, well-rounded black cast that I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I'm ready for this. I think we, it's gonna be like water to starving souls for sure. I think you said it perfectly. I did, didn't I? I, thought, I felt good when I was saying it. Good. <laughs> but tell us about your character a little bit. Um, what can I say about this character that's legitimate? I think he's, you know, he's, he's a guy who's, he's a, he's a London boy. That's how I describe him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's uh, Arabella's good friend, but their relationship's a bit fractured because she's kind of moved on. Um, yeah, what else can I say about it? That's cool to say. Can't say too much. Really Arabella say. is Michaela Cole's character, by the way, guys. Yeah. That's a lead character. Simon, he's a banker. Mm. Uh, in in London, he's a bit of a he's a bit of a cheeky, nefarious don, and um, yeah, I guess, I guess that's all I can say about it, really. Yeah. That way, because it's so, it, when the show begins, it so, it so introduces you to everyone so quick. That yeah, it does. About it is going to be like, oh, okay, mm. that's what I said. But I mm. guess if I say anything, you know, he's he's dealing with relationship issues and okay. and, and trying to navigate that whole thing and yeah that's what yeah, I can it's, say about it. it's, it's very it's, it's, honestly, it's really worth a watch no it really is I, I definitely think you know it comes out uh, this Sunday on HBO in America and in the, it, for the UK it comes out Monday, Monday. so this is the movie show game show right right it is great comedy he's rude as well don't worry about it um, 
So what it is, it's just five, five movie or TV show titles. They are black by way of being made by, written by, starring, or something like, or produced by, right? Okay, you getting that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'll give you four clues. First clue will be the odd- A couple other people and you were totally terrible at your side of the game. You were terrible. Like People were like, what is that? What kind of clue is that? So I hope you're, I hope you're fair with me. Go on. <laughs> it's all right. Okay, so clue one, I'm not even gonna address you anymore. Clue one, odd words from the title. Clue two, how many words are in the title? Clue three, mm. one word to describe the thing. And clue four, a description of, the, of one of the characters. Sure. And it, that your people can help you, if you like. Please help me, but guys. I, no, no, no. He's doing, I know he's doing it on purpose. He's trying to throw me off my game. It's not going to happen. Okay, so the first one, we're going to get through these really quickly because your battery's going to die. Um, the first word is white. Privilege, supremacy, power. It is a TV show or a film. White is in the title. White? Yes. Oh, white men can't jump. There you go. No, no, it's not. White actually. chicks. No, it's not white chicks. Do you want your second clue? Sure. There are three words in the title. Three words in the title. One of those words is white. Oh, um, Black and White by Michael Jackson, which is considered a short film when they did the film. It was considered a short film. Is it that? No. Okay. Do you want your third clue or do you think you're going to try and guess some more? <laughs> Tell me what it is. Dear White. No, no. Okay. There you go. There you go. Thank you, people, them. No. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, see, that's how we come together as a community. One of, number two, number two, number two. The word I'm going to give you from the title is and. And? Yes, get it right. It's a, it's a TV and the, the film is... Yeah, it's a film. The film is a film. The film has and in the title. It, that's right, honeybee. That's the one. You guys see why this game is just not appropriate? <laughs> why would I write... Listen... Because you would, because some people get it. Sheila Nortley is at the top. Sheila, Luti Media, and who's with her Papa Essia do? They're at the top of the leaderboard, and they managed to get it on. But they got it with an and. Yes. Well, shout out to them. Though. It's different times now, man. Do you want your second clue, Amel? I mean, do you want yes. your second clue? Go ahead. <clears throat> Four words are in the title, and you should know this. I'm going to give you an extra boost. You Queen. should know this. Do you want my third clue? Sure. <laughs> don't. don't. Up your enthusiasm level, enthusiasm levels, please. Clubbing. Yeah. The clue is clubbing. Come on, man. And is in the title. Three, four I words in the title. In it. Let's develop your game. I think we should develop your game today with you. No, no, so we're not developing my game. No, 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 no. This is my rules. This is how it goes. The games master says, yeah. and is in the title. Four words in the title. Clubbing is the clue. Clubbing. Is the clue. And Mel made it. What's the clue? Is that? Leon is being a snake and giving you a big clue. Drink drugs in KFC. <laughs> Thank you. That's how we profile you. So you can watch Drink Drugs and KFC on YouTube for the person I was asking earlier on. See? All right. Third one. The word I'm giving this is so easy. Great. The word I'm giving you is great. It's not hard for Shisha. Think about it. Great debaters. What did you say? Great debaters. You didn't actually say it correctly. The great debaters. Thank you. Damn Stop. it. Okay. I didn't say it correctly. 
It says the great debaters, no, not great. Terrors should be illegal. That's a nuance. That's terrible. That's mistakes. No, no, That's no. not winning. You got it right. Wait, Only the fact that you got, got it right. I got, I got it right instinctually. Yeah, but you just didn't say the whole thing, and I gave you the chance. I gave you, I gave you. And I said, well done, but now you're cussing no, and reversing. Some nonsense about the great debaters. That's the title of it. Allow me, please. Imagine if everyone was like, oh, did you see that film, Yar? It's actually Yardy. You couldn't yeah, get away with it. <laughs> don't, don't cost my game. Number four. The word I'm going to give you is real. Real love. Did I say it was music? I'm searching for that real love. But however, don't try and trick me. It's not a song. Real is in the title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a TV show. Oh my God, you've actually, if you check your comments, someone's actually given you the damn answer already. Thank you, guys. But I want you to think about The Real it. McCoy, which is actually one of the last collective black shows we've had, actually. Exactly. UK. Yeah, it's mad, actually. Well, okay. People that have done their thing as well, like, what's it, Venus versus Mars? Brothers with No Game was an actual online yeah. thing, right? Yeah. We've got to salute those people as well, because... If you think about it, they probably didn't have the backing. No, they didn't have the backing. But still, had it had a presence to reach people. So yeah, shout definitely. Out to, shout out to those guys, man. Final one. Final guys, one. I actually enjoyed this much more than I thought. Especially I do. I know. Dead game. Because <laughs> when she sent me the link, I did watch the thing. I saw Damson do his thing, and I was like, Damson's obviously enjoying this, but for me, I got things <laughs> to do, man. I'm so hurt. Hold on a minute. Leon's saying that you need two points to be the winner. Okay, so the final one. Final one. Can I get a bonus gonna... one for, for the trauma that I'm going through right now? Having kind of a bonus. Imagine this switchy behaviour of the Leo. Like, you just said you had a, you're having a brilliant time. Now you're saying you're being tra traumatised. Get out of here, man. The word I'm giving you is an. This, honestly, please, <laughs> do yourself a favour. Do yourself a favour <laughs> as of today. I'm so sorry for everybody that came on it previously, including <laughs> Ruti and, 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 and Sheila and, and everybody that racked their wonderful brains for this. Yes, do you want a second clue? Sure. And there's three words in the title. That's your second clue. It's a film, and I'll give you it's British. And? Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm not going to wrap my brain for it. I feel no. like, don't give up now. You're nearly at the top. I'm not giving oh, up. Just... Make a decision is different. I'm standing up for my rights, and this is a silly <laughs> thing. Anne is the middle of the thing. At least, come on, man. It's I'm going to call you and Leon after this, and we're going to help this game. <laughs> no, no, we're not going to make this we game better because it's a fantastic game. Stop being moody. Now, the third clue is culture. Okay. Fourth clue. I'm going to make you an illusion. Have you seen Burning an Illusion? I haven't seen that, you know. It's by Menelik Shabazz, one of our legendary British filmmakers. And Burning Illusion is like, it's actually one of the most representative pieces Burn of British black culture in the 70s. Yes. Sing it. Don't sing it, because you, you never got it. You didn't willingly play the game. Next. <laughs> you know, I hate. You're going to get such a cussing afterwards. You're at the top of the leaderboard. You've got 15 points. Okay, guys. Now it's time for the Q&A before his battery dies and we've got to do the other bit as well. So please ask Emel all the questions you want to ask. 
How do you feel about the film industry, Hollywood casting white people to play ethnic roles under the pretense that lesser known actors or a black cast will not bring in the audience? That's from Vahishia. I, mean, I think we all feel the same about it. If you're going to yeah, do well, a movie about uh, ancient Egypt, it is convenient to, 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 to put a white person in, which was more towards the end of the Egyptian reign. Really, yeah. we're dealing with more of the old, you know, its original look before people moved down from Egypt into different regions. Mm. Uh, yeah. Quick answer. What's, um, who's your accent coach, Markel's asking? I don't have an accent coach, bro. I, 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 I don't have an accent coach. I had, I did one once, well, no, before I came to America, like in 2009, but I don't have an accent coach. I, I literally do it off, do it off ear. How do, so how do you, so Actually, do you, when you get, I had, I'll say this, I, the acts, I, I, or I'll take an actor, not an actor, I'll take a person, a real life person. So with, with the Yardie accent, I based it on a friend of mine, a music artist called Brian Art, and he would send me the recordings mm. of, and I would listen to his voice. And um, some of the other actors from the movie as well would send me the recording, I would just do that. And then I just tend to, when I do movies, I tend to stay in the accent. And staying in the accent really... You don't break character. It depends what it is. I don't... I mean, I'm not always sitting around. I mean, Yardi, I did not break character. Yeah, but you I, said. It wasn't even like break, not breaking character. I became a slightly different person, you know. Mm. You know there's, this, there's this thing of uh, Cleopatra's bathwater, which means, like, all this, all the water in the universe is just recycling itself. So we're all a part of each other. And from that perspective, mm. you can be any which part of yourself that you, you decide to highlight and pump up. So oh, yeah. that's the experience of Yardi. But with accent, I just generally listen and kind of do it that way. Janie Boy, Jane WBY. Um, Amel, what is your favourite role to date? Uh, I had a lot of fun doing Inside Man. A lot of Yes. Lyrics. Watched that because it came out on Netflix here, but it didn't come out on Netflix in the UK. But I had a lot of fun playing that, man, because it was just like, you know, it's like, it's like rocking and rolling and whatnot. Because a lot of my roles have been like deep, deep, deep. And I yeah. really enjoyed playing that. Um, I had one of the greatest moments on set when I did Charming of the Hearts. I was literally, it was, it was late. I might release it one day, but I was late at night. It's one, two o'clock in the morning. I'm working with uh, uh, Jill Marie Jones uh, uh, and mm. Pauline and different people. Anyway, we're there and we're dancing and we're, it's like, it's this scene, we're in a cabin. And then, they, you know, they kind of yelled cut, but no one listened. And then okay. I just like, there was a band there and it was like all these black people just, we literally danced for like 35 minutes. And that wow. is the, like we went, it was like an out of body experience kind of. Yeah. Like the film doesn't matter anymore. They said cut and we were just, and I was, I actually started carrying, I love dancing. So I just got, yeah. and then we just partied for 30 minutes and the band started playing and then the vocalist started singing. I've got the footage thankfully. And it's just so, so, wow. so good. So that was a magical moment. Um, and then look, the originals like Kid Upwood and The Bill, these are, these are great times. I had great times on both those things. I had a, I had a lot of great memories with, with those particular projects. You know, um, The Bill felt very exciting and- Yeah. And, and, and really was really, um, it was really new to hear our voices, like the new black London or- urban. Yeah. It was just new and fresh and I, I had a great time doing that, you know? How do you suggest people sidestep into film production? 
for this. I don't quite get the rest of it, but it's more like I'm just, I suppose, on a general level, moving from behind, in front of the camera to behind the scenes and deciding to make your own stuff. Just do it, man. Like, yeah. we're in an era of just doing it. Like, something can catch wildfire these days. Mm. Uh, I think there's a bit of luck to that or timing, but something can catch wildfire. I mean, rap man's story is a great story. Like, here's a guy who is essentially a rapper doing storytelling through oh, rap. Blues, um, and then, pre, I'm talking about pre-Blue Story, did these Shiro stories. Shiro, stories, sorry. Connected, and you can't deny the numbers and how many people accessed it. And then, boom, you know, so it's, just go for it. I would say go for it, you know, and just make shit happen today. There's so many reasons in life to just not move forward. But like, yeah. taking a step right now is key, you know, because we're, we're, all, we're all on the way out of here anyway. Not to sound morbid. Okay. Not to sound morbid, but I mean, I mean, even when you made um, drinks, drugs, and those things, how did you? Where did you get your resources from? Was I it for the money? Myself, I, like, it yeah. was like three grand, three days, thirty minutes. The actors came and 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 pledged it. That it was for free. You know, we just made something really dope, and that that in the same way, like brothers, no game, and all that, caught the attention of the community at least, mm. and, and 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 was some people's first jobs. You know, yet. Sterling Williams, who's gone on to sex education. You had Samson, KO, who's just gone on to Boston. Yeah. Areas. And yeah, man, it was just, you know, so um, Aaron Fontaine. Yeah. Just a lot of dope people. Just a lot of dope yeah. people that gone on to do their thing. And um, what books are you recommending, Art Solution? What are you reading? There's a book I always go back to, When We Ruled by Robin Walker. That's sure. Yeah. Uh, Secrets of a Millionaire Mind. I like that. Um, 18 minutes. I'm looking at my library. What's there? Um, Guns, Germs, and Steel. Uh, the Destruction of the Black Civilization. That's sure. a really cool one that one should read. Like, so it gives you historical context uh, by Chancellor Williams to the experiences of black people pre-colonialism and all the rest of it. So what books made the most impact on your life? Wow. Uh, man, I think kind of books like that, you know, it's been, mm. it's just, it's been a different... I feel like when you're, when you're young and you don't come from immediate wealth, right? Mm. Like a working, working middle-class background. You're just in a position where you're like, okay, so how can I obtain wealth? Knowledge. Like money, wealth first. Like, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. hungry, so how can I eat, you know? And so that, that on the road to that, coupled with self-esteem and self-knowledge is, I think both things hand in hand are really useful. Yeah, you know? I agree. Um, uh, most uh, inspiring actor who's your favorite actor it really changes man i, I you know I've, I've obviously loved denzel washington what for example talking about Yardi, i love I, I was really doing a lot of watching a, a lot of daniel day lewis's process okay and and, and when there will be blood and joaquin phoenix and just people that have taken their body and mind to the limit you know i think malcolm x is one of the greatest performances committed to celluloid so i always i always love that Truth. um there's just so many powerful actors. There's so many people just have moments. I got yeah. actors have got like thirteen phenomenal performances in them, and then that's it. Or even ten. Like when I go back through people's uh, resume, like the mm. ones phenomenal, it seems like it's like there's a there's a limit. There's a number. It, it's like a limit to what you can do. It's like being a boxer or something. So like I got like these many fights in me. Have you got that number in your head? Where do you think you're at? I would never answer that. <laughs> hey. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't answer that. That's for people to think about whatever they think about me. But I, yeah, I have an idea of what I think about 
you know, I, I think for me, uh, anybody that's followed my career and the nuances of it and the different things that I've done uh, would just, they would know my career. But I've got so much, I'm probably on 30% of what I have to offer as an artist. Yeah. Yeah, I've got I've got so many things to achieve and do and 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 um, especially as a storyteller, mm. you know. One thing we did with the circle was um, we wanted to because we usually show people that are not in front of the camera, so their skills aren't always understood in the process of what they do. So we call it the process and we set up a scenario where they get to demonstrate their skills. So, but what this has kind of turned into is like a builder story. So we've got a short film that's on the go that every person that I've spoken to has built the story as, we, as I've spoken to them. It's gone some crazy places. Damson took it places. Lutie took it places. It's in some mad trajectory. So I just want to see where you would go with the story. Oh God, it's so hard to summarize. I'm going to try and do it as quickly as possible. So we got Chioma and her brother Leon. They're having lunch in a Nigerian restaurant in Hackney, apparently. Um, they're living life as a celebration. She just graduated her master's and celebrations are weighted with a sadness because their mother's gone missing and it's not, the case has not been resolved. She just disappeared one day. Now, as they're celebrating having dinner, Chioma sees a friend outside, so she goes out to talk to her. And while she's talking to her friend, this friend Gabriella, um, she notices Leon talking to a guy in a pin, a white man in a pinstripe suit. And the next minute he's getting into this car. And so she's like, what the hell? Why has he left me at dinner? We're supposed to be eating dinner. What's going on? And she goes back into the restaurant. When she goes back in the restaurant, Leon's there. So she's like, hold on. I saw you getting into a car. He goes, no, what are you talking about? Don't be silly. So they pay their bill. So they go outside, leave the restaurant. And then they see the pinstripe guy and uh, the, this same Leon guy. And the screen goes dark. Why are you laughing already? <laughs> this is this is your people that came up with who, this, your creatives. Who, who, I want to know whose bit was what. At this point, this is um, Rachel Delahaye. No, Papa Estia do. This is his bit now. Papa mm -hmm. came with this bit. Um, built on this. It's too long to even go back into whatever else happened. So anyway, blackout. Shoma wakes up in her bedroom. She's facing her bedroom mirror, and then she realizes the two-way screen. And through that, she sees another Chioma in the same position as her. There's a table to the left of each other, or whatever, mirror image, a red button's on it, and a list of people's names. And it's like, Chioma A, Chioma B, Leon A, Leon B. And all these people, doubled, all these pe list of people that she knows, A and B versions, and she's looking at the A or B version of herself. Now, Luti took it to the place where there's a world of mirrors and she's got to, Chioma in the real world has got to break out Chioma in the fake world or the mirror world to set humanity free. This is a short film and how it, the first thing we see by the way is the ending. Where, where, and does, the end, end, where, is the, where does it end up? Okay, the end, the end is what we see first. In a warehouse, Chioma, wait, yeah, this is, yeah. In a warehouse, Chioma wakes up with blood on her hands next to a guy called Isaac who has a phone on his chest and a list of people that she's supposed to kill. She tries to get away. I have to memorize this. <laughs> she tries to get away. And then in the end, she ends up, um, Elio, um, it, Isaac hits her on the head with an ax. This is insane. That's how it ends. And then we go back in the day. Yeah, yeah, I know. The ending, so I can add on to it, otherwise. Go on. So the ending is, she Isaac is facing her. That is the far ending. That's the ending that we see. Kind of like, you know, like, you only see the end of something and how did we get there? So how do we get there is building the story to how do we get to the point where Choma's hit on the head and, with an axe by Isaac. Does it kill her or not? We don't know. Him. We never even got there. Okay, cool. So okay. Choma hits Isaac 
is Shoma and Isaac both like, what, what, what do they look like? They don't know each other. And at this point, you're, where you are right now is before this has happened. Where you are is that Shoma is looking into this mirror, seeing this other Shoma and realizing that she's got to save humanity, which is trapped in this mirror world. Go. Okay, so Shoma goes through there. How? Through that. She goes through the mirror to meet her other mm -hmm. mirror self. And when she meets her mirror self, she goes, let me show you something. And as they embark through this meadow of like trees and greens and they go from the trees and greens and then they go into this kind of dystopian world and they go mm -hmm. into a normal London world. He goes, she goes, come sit with me. And she's jumped now, it's time jumped. And she's actually Whoa. of a, a big, massive uh, skyscraper, New York star, but in London. And she says to Shoma, Shoma number one says to Shoma number two, I have someone that needs to talk to us. Oh God, okay. You have someone needs to talk to us. You have someone needs to talk to us. I have someone needs to talk to us. In comes in this 50, 60, 70 year old. Wait, wait, 50, 60 or 70? Well, he looks 50 because he's black and black don't, but he's Crack. actually 70. Okay. So, All right, cool. And he comes in and his name is Amin. Amin sits down next to Shoma 1, Shoma 2, sits down next to them and he goes, Shoma, have you told Shoma? No, what? I was waiting for you to tell Shoma. Shoma, have you not told Shoma? What? No, you tell Shoma. And oh she my says, God. we're in a place where all black people have left the world. Oh my gosh. And if you look through the mirror, white people are now in another world by what? themselves. Okay. And the greatest thing I've got to tell you about this story, Shoma, is that they are going stir crazy because they miss wow. us. They miss our okay. music. They miss our light. They even miss okay. the sun because without us, the sun, England is more gray without us. They miss our food. They miss our cuisine. Okay. And now they're miss our culture. saying, bring mm -hmm. the blacks back. Bring the blacks back. Bring the blacks back. And then all of a sudden, Shoma's back in the other world and she now has seen the world and she's got to now tell these people. Okay. They miss us. The end. Thank you very much for coming, everybody. My name's Melanie. <laughs> Peace and love. Thank you so much, sweetie pie. I really appreciate your time. Um, it's been amazing. But in all seriousness, this time has been nuts. Everyone's got to take care of themselves. And um, I hope that's proved a little bit of respite because I was reluctant to do it myself. I wasn't in a good mood today myself. And this has been a needed break. And I appreciate you. Okay, my Thanks love. Thank you so much. Sweet. Bye. Bye-bye.